get product in from like a mother concerned finding a vape pen or during that vape pen period. Out of the 66 pesticides, we found 60 pesticides and they're all 20 parts per million. So they're 200 times the legal limit of all of them. So and this is what people are consuming when you're consuming the listed market. And it's, it's quite scary. And the biggest contamination, I would say, is pesticides. From MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on Cannabis and Corona, we have another cannabis entrepreneur whose company is adjusting through the COVID-19 crisis, Josh Schweder, the CEO of Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs. Josh, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you taking time out to speak with us. You co-founded Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs in 2016, and you're in San Diego, and now you're also in Jackson, Michigan. Yeah, that's correct. A real success story. I, I was reading on your website that you have like over 30 highly trained scientists with like big degrees, like you're a PhD and there's, I mean, everybody in your company is bachelor degree or higher. I mean, this, this is a real deal. These are real serious people. And I think it's probably because the states that you're operating in are real serious about testing. The state of California has the most comprehensive requirements in the country. Bring us up to speed. What type of tests does the state require and why are they so important? Yeah, sure. At Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs, we do have a quite a big staff of anything from chemists to biologists to PhDs to masters. It comes about because it's such a comprehensive list that we have to test. To start with the basic, and this is important even in the industry, is you start with something like potency. Why do people need to know potency or accurately? When you go into the medical field and someone's dosing a child with a cannabis product, the precision needed in that analysis is, is very high. That's something you'd want to see by the chemist in the lab. People see this as an easy subject for a potency analysis, but we see such diversity in the industry still that it can be very problematic. The biggest point on that is let's make sure we're doing potency right so they're dosing anyone that's really using this for a medical purpose. The next thing we really test for is pesticide analysis, and that's where California has the most stringent pesticide analysis in the United States. We test for 66 different pesticides as well as mycotoxins. There's two different lists of these. We have a category one list, meaning there's no detection of pesticides. That becomes very difficult when we talk about detect, non-detect, and the variation between the labs. But these things are seen as no one, no new human should consume these anymore. Mm-hmm. Some of these have been banned since the 70s, and the thing is, there's residual pesticides. The whole purpose of making a pesticide, you know, for an agricultural product is it lasts out there. They want something to last that'll kill the bugs. The thing is, then it's going to potentially be on the crop when someone moves and moves the cannabis field in, uh, you know, two, five years later, and you can see these cannabis lasting for a long time. Oh, wow. Then you also have category two, where they've made some kind of guess where you should be able to consume this. The biggest thing about this, and the one thing the BCC had to do and put together is, a list of pesticides that are no longer consumed. If any pesticide, they'll talk about eating it and inhaling it. But what happens when you go ahead and light it on fire and smoke it? There's never been research by the FDA about <laughs> smoking an apple. It's always eating an apple. They put a lot, a big list together to keep the consumer safe. The next thing we, we test for, we test for residual solvents. So any kind of processed cannabis good, 
there, there's normally some kind of extraction done. And this could be as simple as using ethanol to extract THC to make a, a concentrate or something that goes in a vape pen. And there's a process a manufacturer would do to remove residual solvents. So we do check on the back end for these things like residual solvents. We also test for heavy metals. We do microbial analysis. So the state of California listed out some pathogenic microbials they don't want to see on the cannabis. And that's normally what we see on food, like salmonella or E. coli. We see those outbreaks on lettuce all the time. Well, we're in the background always checking all the cannabis products, even any edible or something someone's going to eat to make sure they don't have that. You know, I'm listening to you and you're freaking me out. I'm like, there are so many things. And I'm sure, you know, somebody who's seen almost every contaminant, what would you say to somebody who's trying to save a few bucks buying cannabis on the illicit market? We get product in from like a mother concerned finding a vape pen where we'll see out of 66 pesticides that have an action level, we found 60 pesticides and they're all 20 parts per million. Oh my gosh. So they're 200 times the legal limit of all of them. So and this is what people are consuming when you're consuming the illicit market. And this is literally how you're going to get problems later in life. You're going to be developing cancer and you're never going to find out why, but this could be a good picture of why this is happening. You're consuming something that we know is not good to consume. So the lesson market we test is quite scary. And the biggest contamination, I would say, is pesticides. Oh, man. Because they're trying to save a few dollars, get the product to market as quickly as possible, and they don't care what they put into it. That's scary. That is scary. Recently, you mentioned that you saw an influx, though, in testing non-inhalable products. Do you think this has anything to do with COVID-19? Yeah, so there's a lot of backstock on distribution shelves with certain edibles. And we've seen the biggest influx is edibles right now. We do a lot of edibles in this lab and a lot of produced products. But we've seen well, a lot of major manufacturers that we talk with, they're running out of their cookies or their brownies or their gummies very quickly. Yeah. That's true. That's true. It's, it's, a, it's one of those unintended consequences. <laughs> the non-inhalable market's surging right now. That's crazy. You know, I've also heard that some states are asking cannabis labs to convert to COVID-19 labs. Is this a good idea? Oh, that, that's very scary. I've not been asked by the state. There's been groups in various states and groups of people talking about getting some waivers done for BSL-2 and CLIA requirements, which... To me, is when you're starting to waive clinical lab requirements is a major problem. You, you can easily create a hot spot within a lab. They're not asking them just to convert to that. They're asking to add the testing to that. They're not shutting down the cannabis side. They're keeping it going. So it's, it's been a little scary by hearing all this about just converting. It's not that easy. I don't think there should ever be a waiver done for a public safety matter. We're a public safety lab. That's why we're here. We should be waiving our requirements to become one. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, I know everyone's just trying to find a quick fix for this and looking for whatever options there are, but I don't know that that makes sense either. I, I, can, I agree with you on that one. I want to take a short break to play you a preview of our next episode and to thank our sponsors. Yes, we are. We're just launching it right now. I mean, we did have one previous a while back. But now we're at a point where looking at getting ready to launch the next product line with what's going on with COVID and everything, and it's a good strategic time for us to step back, shore up the things we want, and be prepared. Because that's, that's kind of what I feel like the mode we've been in with this COVID is really forward-looking and saying, okay, we've got this time, let's use this to our advantage, and that's really what we're trying to do here. So we're just starting that raise right now. Tune in on Sunday to hear Noah Miller from Black Dog LED. And now let's get back to today's show. 
well, we mentioned at the beginning of the show that you have a, a location in San Diego and you're also in Jackson, Michigan. I know it's tough to make plans under this sh- the shadow of Corona, but you have any plans for the future expansion once we get back to work? Yeah. So originally, right before this happened, we were going to be going into a next state. We're looking at Arizona as a good possibility and a few other states around here. But we are we are expanding our, our goals in the next five years to have 10 to 20 labs open. Nice, nice. Will you be raising any so, capital? Well, will, will you be raising money? To- no, we, we're self-funded currently. Self-fund this facility and me and the other co-owner, and that's about it. I, I give you a lot of credit because it's sometimes, especially a couple of years ago, so tempting for people to take in, in injections of capital. But, you know, sometimes it works great. But you're right. Sometimes, especially when things get a little sticky, things don't work as well. Yeah, so we, we've always looked at it as growing organically and growing the correct way and not like just pushing and rushing and being like, oh, I'm going to open five labs and I don't know five lab directors to run them. The biggest thing is to find people that do want to do this. It's not as easy as you think, kind of like you talked about in the beginning. We have so many specialized scientists in here. They're not all just available. I mean, back in 2016, it was seen as in the science community almost throwing away your degree by going into this industry. <laughs> and now it's changed a lot in the state of California. But when you move across the country, that, that view is still kind of seen by a lot of people. Not every state is accepting cannabis still as California. <laughs> I bet you had an interesting conversation with your parents when you you know finished your PhD and say, hey, guess what I'm doing, Mom? <laughs> That's, that's great. Yeah, they're supportive. With, what I'm doing is I'm a public safety laboratory. And I, I mean, I think keeping people safe, this is why the whole reason I, we went to grad school here, any of us, was to do things like this or to provide the science to the people that need it. Wow. And that's why, that's why we're here as a bridge. Well, I'm glad you're here and I appreciate you doing this, the work that you do. And I'll have all of your information, all of Josh's information and infinite chemical analysis information will be in the show notes, and they'll also have the information on the MJ Bulls website. Josh, thanks for being on the show today. Definitely. I appreciate you having me. Well, keep it up, and we'll have you back on again. Definitely. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.